0: That's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW for avoid. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: It's time to play like a jet.
0: With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a
1: jet. What does that mean? There's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make catch. It's intercepted by Mosley. on down the top. A tackle. Bad. trying to go all the way. Right behind that, Touchdown. Big return for Crowder. And he's going to go all the way. Touchdown, 85 yards. Looking downfield, fires this one and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately he got the handoff. You know and that's that's <laughs> the q Oh, my gosh.
0: Listen, thank you. Welcome to part two of the Weekend Mailbag. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined, as always, by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. And our first question is from Jets Nation TV. He says, would you sign David Emerson? Do you see the Jets trading for somebody like Quincy Wilson or Trey Waynes? or somebody in that ballpark. Also, how do you feel about Valentine Holmes playing fullback? He seems like a pretty physical dude and potentially another threat out of the backfield. That goes along with what Beaver John asked about Valentine Holmes. He wanted to know what you thought the chances of him making the roster are and what you've seen out of him in camp. So let's start with the first part of this. I don't think I would sign David Amerson. Not a big fan of his. I don't know how much he has to offer, but if they did, I wouldn't really be upset about it. I don't think the Jets are going to be able to get Quincy Wilson or Trey Wayne's because it seems like the asking price for those guys is going to be higher than Joe Douglas would want to pay if they even become available. As of now, neither Trey Wayne's nor Quincy Wilson is available, though that could change. And as far as the Valentine Holmes question, what do you think about that one, Chris? It's not much I could give you because I haven't been in training camp.
1: Yeah, I'll just start by echoing everything you said about the cornerbacks there. Uh, I think uh, absolutely Joe Douglas would be interested, but he's not going to be interested at the price it's going to cost. There was a lot of noise about the Vikings looking to try to move on from one of their cornerbacks during, you know, the offseason, during free agency, but now that that hasn't happened and they seem to have their cap situation worked out, I don't see them, you know, being like, hey, hell, let's just get rid of Trey Waynes for a third-round draft pick. So... That's probably not going to happen. Um, as far as Valentine Holmes, he's not going to make this active roster. Uh, um, he's he's going to be on the practice squad. They have the designated player. I forget what exactly what they call it, but that a designated spot for uh, foreign players because they're trying to do you know what the NBA did a while ago and grow the game internationally. So he'll end up be have a spot there, but. The other part of that question is with the, at the fullback, Adam Gase is not interested in fullbacks. He he's, he's not, you know, if he improved his game enough and could help in other areas that, and make the roster, then, yeah, you could see him use some here and there. You're going to see Trayvon Wesco use it in a fullbacker type of way, you know, more of an H-back. Um, so, but there's there's not going to be, somebody on the roster, on the active roster that Adam Gase sends out there that is just strictly a fullback. That's not going to happen. Um, Valentine Holmes, I, there's, there's a lot of interest uh, from fans about him. But basically, he's going to be on the practice squad this year, see how he develops, and then maybe next year we can talk about him actually cracking the active roster.
0: Next question comes in from NY Take Flight. He says... Question for the very big deal, Chris Nimbley. What are your early takeaways on watching Chuma Adoga in training camp?
1: I've liked what I've seen from him. Now, he's gotten beat a couple of times because, of course, he has, and he's gotten beat by players you would definitely expect him to get beat by. He's gotten beat by Ja'Kai Polite, and he's gotten beaten by a couple of players here and there that you wouldn't have necessarily expected. But overall, from what I've seen, He's done more good than bad for sure, and you know he's still a work in progress. He still needs to clean up some technique and get better at certain things. But I've liked what I've seen from him uh, overall. I it's, I don't think that you know he's ready to be able to hold uh, play a significant part in a starting offensive line or anything right now. But I like where he's at. I like him as a depth option right now for this team and, and to develop and then potentially be able to actually start and play and be pretty good next year.
0: Next question comes in from Michael Parsons. He says, What should the next offseason and draft plan be? For me, it would be investing heavily in the secondary and offensive line and free agency. And players in the secondary in the second and third rounds. And if he hits the market, give a big contract to Clowney. What do you guys think? Well, first of all, I would not give a big contract to Clowney because he's a very good player. But he's only a mediocre pass rusher. He's shown some flashes. But the injury history combined with the fact that his biggest value is as a run stopper would keep me from paying him a ton of money. Although, if the Jets were flush with cash, I wouldn't be totally against it only because at least he's young and there's still some potential there. But the Jets are no longer flush with cash, so that's not really something that I would want to do. As far as investing heavily in the secondary and the offensive line, I agree, sort of, but I don't think there's going to be a ton to invest in in free agency. Typically, the best corners in their prime don't hit free agency. And the offensive line, it's the same way. The one guy that could shake loose, and part of it has something to do with what we were talking about with Dak Prescott before, is Lael Collins. We've mentioned this before. If I'm the Jets, I would try everything I could to find a way to sign him because that would take care of one spot on the offensive line. I would invest heavily in the draft, both at offensive line and corner. There are two very important positions and two positions where the Jets don't have much in the way of long-term answers. So that's really what I would be looking at, although I will say this. If the Jets could get in position to get a truly impactful wide receiver, say somebody like Jerry, a.k.a. Doug Judy, then I would certainly be all for that, even though – you could say that corner and offensive line are a bigger need. It's not like they don't need an impact wide receiver. And it's another situation, like we said, with Quinn and Williams. If you have the opportunity to draft a guy that you think could be a generational player, sometimes you set aside the fact that it's not the biggest need on the roster. Well, I'll
1: start right there. Listen, you could tell me that Robbie Anderson, Quincy Nunwa, and Jameson Crowder all had uh, Pro Bowl years. And I'd still say go get Doug Judy if he's on board when the Jets are picking. But even having said that, Robbie's – and this is the last year of his deal. So while we still are kind of operating under this idea that they'll sign him and bring him back, we don't know that. Quincy with his injury history. So two of those top three guys aren't a guarantee to be back next year. So why people will look and say wide receiver is not as big of a need As offensive line right now, and I would agree with that sentiment, that doesn't mean that's going to be the case going into free agency in the draft next year. So you always got to think about stuff like that. Uh, Obviously, it's going to depend on where the board falls, where they're picking, who's taken ahead of them. But I do absolutely 100% expect Joe Douglas to sit there and say, if everything's even with players – He's going to go offensive line. He's going to focus on the offensive line. He knows that cornerback is a weakness for on this team. So he will be looking for guys there. But he's also just going to look for people who can improve this team in any way, shape, or form. So, you know, he's he's not just going to only look, you know, I'm just going to draft this offensive lineman because we need offensive linemen. If he has someone rated higher on his board, then I think that – uh then he'd probably go ahead and do that obviously we don't know much about his dra- how he'll approach the draft um, I'm assuming especially in the early rounds it's going to be more best player available but I do fully expect him to target the offensive line that's the position of need that they're gonna need that's the position they need most right now and as we've talked about over the last couple of weeks that uh, that entire starting unit, could be gone next year. So that's obviously going to be a huge need and he's aware of this being a former offensive line guy himself. He's talked about building in the trenches first. The defensive line's pretty good so far right now too. So you look at that offensive line, that's what he's got to go for the most. That's his his personal philosophy. That's what this team needs. So that's going to be at the top of his list of needs for sure. Clowney, I, I'm with you. I like Clowney, um, but he's – Jets need more of a pure pass rusher. Now, maybe if you brought him in here with uh, – uh, this will depend too, though, because is, is Leonard Williams coming back in this scenario or not? Um, so as, if they're paying Leonard Williams, then they're not going to go pay Clowney as well. So do they, if they let uh, Leonard Williams walk, then do they go after Clowney? That would make a lot more sense, um, but I, I just don't see it happening. I, they, if he was more, if he was as good at rushing the passer as he is defending the run, then I'd be all about it, and I would think they would be all about it. But they, they have a good enough run defensive guys here, and they what they really need is more of a pass rusher. So. I as good as he is, and he is a a good pass rusher. Just not good enough for me to pay big money.
0: Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
1: With your host Scott Mason.
0: Next question comes in from Danny Stern. He says, "Is Blessing Austin going to make an impact at all this year?" I don't think he's going to. I think he's getting up on the practice squad.
1: Yeah, he's. This is going to be a red shirt year for him. It's too late in camp for him to. Even if let's say. The start of practice next week, they activate him, throw him out there. It's too late for him to really make up ground for him to actually be able to contribute uh, – to solidify a spot on the active roster. So he's going to start on the practice squad if if he even gets activated. Um, he'll, he'll be on the practice squad. And then, you know, maybe at some point in the middle of the season, maybe they have injuries or – um uh, or it's just something happens, the season's gone uh you know lost they lost too many games, they bring him in to let him do, do a little bit, but even that that would just really be- trying to prepare him, give him a little bit of a head start for next year is this, this is gonna be a red shirt year for
0: him. Next question comes in from Gus he says any ideas how this team can get ready for the season without incurring any serious injuries. Other sports don't seem to have this volume of injuries, or is that just the nature of the sport? And to go along with that, Andre Morton Picks says, what's going on at camp with all these big hits and injuries? Not against competition to improve skills, but I thought the last CBA limited live contact in practice. Are they skirting the line or crossing it? So we'll start with Gus Toon's question first. Unfortunately, you heard what Chris and I were talking about before. I would like for them to, To at the very least scale back how much they play these players in the preseason, but training camp stuff happens, and even if you limit how much they play in the preseason, injuries are going to happen as well. It's just the nature of the game. Guys get hurt in basketball, they get hurt in spring training baseball, they get hurt practicing in hockey, but football is the most violent of the sports. It's not a contact sport. It is a collision sport, and when you have guys that big, that fast, and that strong colliding on a play-to-play basis, unfortunately, injuries are going to happen, and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. As far as the second part of that from Andre Morton picks, I don't know exactly what it says with the CBA, but I was under that impression, too, that contact is very limited. I don't know what the league would do about it if it's just something like somebody getting decleted on a hit. Maybe somebody gets fined or something. I don't really know. But, Chris, I'm thinking you probably have more information on that than I do because I haven't really dug into this. I do know, though, that they had certainly talked about that contact issue before they negotiated the last CBA.
1: Um, This is always confusing to me. Uh, um, this happens pretty much every year in the CBA. Uh, under this new CBA, I always get a little confused because again, it's one of those things I end up figuring out the answer to, and then the season starts and it just leaves my brain. And then the next year comes around, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, wait, what was that? I got to figure it out again." Um, they absolutely did limit the practices. Uh, the limited the practices number of practices in pads you're allowed, and the number of practices um, with full contact you're allowed. But what you're talking about and what we're seeing, a lot of these things are just like a play here and there. And that's not going to get the NFL's attention. If the NFL – because that's really just one player going a little too hard on a play or getting caught up in the moment. What they will catch on to is every play. You're getting contact with that. So – that is not, I have not seen anything like enough contact that would make me think the NFL is going to raise an eyebrow at anything that they've done so far. Um, they, you know, there's been a couple individual hits that, yeah, I'm sure they'd be like, yeah, 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 you shouldn't do that. But, again, those are kind of, like, just one-on-one situa- instances and situations, and it's not something that they're going to go ahead and punish the whole team for or anything along those lines. And, yeah, again, back to the – you have to practice. Football is a violent sport. Like you just said, it's a collision sport. Injuries are going to happen. But, you know, you got to go with the iron sharpens iron thing, and you got to get ready. It's just – you can't just send guys out there – Unprepared, They have to work their way up for it.
0: Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He says, with the trajectory that points up to Sam Darnold, which QB would you compare him to? I thought he reminded me of Andrew Luck the most coming out of college. But who do you see in him? Of the current quarterbacks that are playing right now, Andrew Luck is the easy answer for me. If you want to say that his absolute upside would be sort of a poor man's Aaron Rodgers, maybe you want to try that. But I think Andrew Luck is the easiest comparison. As far as retired players, Tony Romo is a really good comparison as well. But those are the guys I would say. I'd say Tony Romo and Andrew Luck. A lot of it has to do with ability to throw on the run. Anticipation throws, just natural understanding and ability. It's crazy to think that the Jets could have their very own 22-year-old version of Andrew Luck. Let's just hope that if he is that good, that the Jets do a better job of keeping Sam Darnold healthy and surrounding him with talent in his prime years than the Colts have done for the bulk of Andrew Luck's career.
1: Well, regardless of my answer to this question, all Jets fans have to hope that the Jets' medical staff is better than the Colts' medical
0: staff. (laughs) Right, yes. Because...
1: I mean, this, the, what they have done to Andrew Luck is a travesty. And, like, it, as inside the football world, this is as big of a travesty as you can really have. To get a player of Alec, uh, uh, Andrew Luck's caliber, to not give him any semblance of an offensive line for so many years, to allow him just to just get beaten up like they, he has, and to debauch everything with his shoulders last year, and I've only heard little bits and glimpses of what's going on right now. But it, none of it sounds good. So um, I don't really like player comps. I don't like trying to think of it unless something just like blatantly jumps out at me. And every once in a while that does happen. But um, the, the first one that I heard with Darnold that I was like, oh, yep, that's it. We're going to go with the retired route that you just said, Tony Romo. I, you know, I watched Arnold. I wasn't thinking comps. I wasn't thinking comps. Somebody said Tony Romo, and I was like, "Oh, yep, that's there. It is that right there." And I'm a, I'm a big Tony Romo fan. I think he was underrated by most uh, fo- casual football fans. <clears throat> uh, luck, luck would be a decent one uh, as far as style of play goes. Probably a little. I'd say Sam's going to be less willing to just you know stick his face in the fan as they say where i've seen luck just go right at 340 pound dudes and just go right up in their face uh i think sam will be a little smarter than that uh luck has a strong well had at least coming out of college uh, who knows with these injuries now luck had a stronger arm but playing style at least yeah i could see that more and um same type of thing that you said, Aaron Rodgers, or even somebody like Russell Wilson, who while Russell Wilson can throw from the pocket, especially a deep ball, he throws probably the best deep ball in, in the NFL. Um, he, he's still best on the move making plays running out of the pocket, and that's Darnold. Darnold can throw in the pocket, but his throws get stronger and more accurate when he's rolling out and on the move. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason.
0: Next question comes in from Matt Pasco. He says, if the Jets do make a deal for a corner, which team do you think is the most likely team to be trading with? Baltimore, the Colts, the Eagles, or the Vikings? I think it's going to be one of the first three teams. I don't see it being the Vikings simply because relationships matter in the NFL. And Rex Hogan obviously has deep ties to the Colts. We know that Alexander and Joe Douglas himself, in addition to Phil Savage, all have ties to the Baltimore Ravens. And then obviously Joe Douglas has very deep ties to the Philadelphia Eagles. So I think if they do trade for a corner, it would probably be from one of those three teams. Having said that now, watch them go and make a deal with the vikings
1: yeah that that's how it always works, doesn't it or uh you know the, it'll be just some random team that we never uh, never mentioned um yeah i mean i I don't want to sit here and keep agreeing with you it makes for uh boring content, but the the obvious answers are to go with the people that the new guys have- uh relationships with uh you know not only do they have familiarity with the players, but they also have familiarity with the people in the building. So they probably feel more safe uh going ahead and trying to work out a deal like that. So yeah, if I'm choosing from those teams, I would say Eagles first, then the Colts second, and then the Vikings third. But again, I still think that it's mostly gonna have to come from the waiver wire uh waiver wire after training Camp Cups.
0: Next question comes in from Dan Goldstein. He says, do you think Leonard Williams, Robbie Anderson, and Jamal Adams will all get extensions next offseason, or do you expect one or more of them to be tagged or let walk? I think they will attempt to trade Leonard Williams before the deadline this season for draft capital and extend Robbie Anderson and Jamal Adams next year. I think they're going to wait another year on Jamal Adams simply because... I don't see them doing it with two years left on his deal. I think that they will do it when he's got one year left on his contract. They probably won't let it get to the point where they would have to tag him or anything like that. But I see that happening after the 2020 season, not after 2019 As far as Robbie Anderson and Leonard Williams, a lot of that, I think, is going to have to do with how they perform this year. I'm sure that in an ideal world, the Jets would like to keep both, but they're going to have to show how they've progressed. Now, with Robbie Anderson, we know he did pretty well with Darnold down the stretch last year. How well will he do for a full season? We're going to find out. Leonard Williams, is he going to be better with Quentin Williams next to him and Greg Williams as a defensive coordinator? We're going to find out. Is it possible that the Jets could trade Leonard Williams, or Robbie Anderson at the trade deadline. I suppose so if the Jets are not doing that well. If the Jets are doing worse than we expect... And they've decided they don't want to sign Robbie Anderson or Leonard Williams to a big contract. It's not out of the question. But my suspicion is that both players will play well and the Jets will try to keep both. I think they'll probably get Robbie Anderson locked up before Leonard Williams. They may have to franchise tag Leonard Williams and figure out some sort of long-term deal. But I think that the Jets at this moment, have the mindset that they would like to bring both guys back, but they're going to see how it plays out this season. And with Jamal Adams, I think the extension probably comes after 2020.
1: Yeah, that, uh, Leonard Williams getting traded before the trade deadline, I, I will put that at a, 0.0000000, a one number away from infinity one. Uh, percent chance that he gets traded that's I is just not gonna happen um could it be possible that he would that they don't bring him back next year sure but he's gonna play out this season <laughs> they they love him they want him back they want to see what he can do with Greg Williams uh in his scheme and his system they want to see uh, they're not going to trade him and again that you know the only way i could possibly see that happening is if they start like owen 5 or owen 6 and that's just like all right let's just build up from now for for there um i i don't think that they'd do that with jamal adams uh that that far out with uh with the safety but i wouldn't be totally surprised if they have a really solid year and they feel like he's you know was a, played a big part in that and uh really is such a good influence in there. I could see them going ahead and trying to reward him early, get one of those things that'll send a message to the rest of the team, uh, the players, uh, do things the right way, blah, 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 all that nonsense. I could see that happening. And I could definitely – I've been saying I would pay pay Robbie Anderson right now. Price is only going to go up. Even if he has a disappointing year, I don't see the – the price going down enough for it to be worth it. I would take that chance and sign him now. Um, and I don't think the Jets would do, do anything that quickly, but at some point in the season, I could absolutely see them doing it. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason.
0: Next question comes in from Sean H8SYOU. He says... At what point in Sam Darnold's rookie contract could Joe Douglas think of switching from a build-through-the-draft strategy to an our-window-to-win-is-small-we-need-to-trade-picks-for-proven-players-now strategy? So I don't think he's going to do a lot of that anyway. I think he believes in his own ability to draft. I think that there will be exceptions to that, obviously, if somebody that he really likes becomes available, then maybe. But I think that the mentality of trying to win now, whether it's through trading or through trying to make splashes in free agency, is going to come after Douglas and Gase are confident that this team is ready and poised to make a real run. So if they follow that Rams model where after this year they think that they're on the right path and they feel like... If they could add a couple of pieces here and there, they have a shot to make some real noise in 2020, then maybe they'll do that. I don't think they're going to be sacrificing draft picks For the sake of winning now, unless they're players that they really feel can make a difference, I could see them throwing some money at some guys, even if it's short term. Remember, Joe Douglas was largely responsible for recruiting Alshon Jeffrey to the Eagles. They had a relationship going back to their days with the Bears, and Douglas convinced Jeffrey that if he came to the Eagles, he had a real chance to win the Super Bowl obviously it ended up happening. So I could see stuff like that where maybe you get a guy like an Alshon Jeffrey, not Jeffrey himself, but a player of that caliber who you convince to come in on say like a one year, $15 million deal or whatever. But I don't think that they're going to go crazy doing the Mike Tannenbaum thing where they're just handing out draft picks like candy.
1: Yeah, this, I agree with you, but it, this is going to depend on a few things and a lot of that's exactly how good of a season they have. How mm-hmm. good does Sam look? How does Trumaine Johnson bounce back?
0: Which is what I uh, said, by the way. I did say that I think that the win-now moves are going to come when Douglas and Gase are confident that they're ready to make that real run. And obviously, if they have a really good year this year, that could accelerate that.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's possible I could see them doing it um, next offseason. Now... um Uh, Like you just said, I I don't expect him to go full Tannenbaum uh, and just completely sell out. I think he would take a more measured approach to doing that, pick his spots. You know, let's just say um, somehow that, you know, a Lyle Collins type of player, because obviously he'll be a free agent. But let's say something like that pops up for him then, yeah, I could see Joe Douglas go ahead and doing that. That's a big enough, important enough position, position to need, a good enough player. I could see him going ahead and taking a shot at that. Maybe him, maybe two, one or one other player. Um, I could see him doing that, but I can't see him going all out, and it would probably be something like he'd only give up one real valuable pick for next year's draft, and then for the other player, he would try to do it for the year after that draft. I think he he will start doing that, but in a more measured way than like Tannenbaum ever did. And if, uh, but then the year after that, you could see a little bit more. But he, again, when he first uh, got the job and had that press conference, he talked about how the the urgency and the, the need to go after uh, being aggressive building a roster under a rookie contract or when you have a QB under a rookie contract. And he said, I'm going to paraphrase because I forget the exact quote, but he was like, no, you do that when you have a quarterback. When you know you have a quarterback, you do that whether you are – on that quarterback's under a rookie uh, contract or you've actually paid him big money. When you know you have a quarterback you can trust and believe in, you start being aggressive right then. So – I think he will be aggressive if he calls for it, but in a still in a measured way, smart way. He's not just going to go trading picks and uh, players for just anybody. Um, he's not just going to go after names, um, which you know could disappoint some fans, but would help in the long run.
0: Next question comes in from Matty Trainer. He says, "If the Jets don't get a starting caliber corner, do you believe they will revert to Darren Walls coverage?" a.k.a. line up 10 yards off the receiver and bail before the snap. This could also be known as the Darrell Revis on Sammy Watkins coverage. Boy, I hope not, because that would make for a really rough season.
1: Um, I can't see Greg Williams ever doing that. <laughs> not consistently. Even if everybody in the world is screaming at him, telling him, hey, this is your only option. He's just too aggressive-minded. mind for me to think that he's really going to do that, uh, but I could definitely see them doing more of that than he would want to. And it being one of those things where he's like, "This is killing me," but we have to, we have to do this a little bit more because that, that we all know this cornerback group isn't that great. But a lot of that is also going to depend on the guys up front. That that line are they creating enough pressure? To force the quarterback to get rid of the ball before he wants that it can help the cornerbacks look better than they actually are.
0: It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say: your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over a hundred social casino style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com.
1: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary.
0: VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions supply. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Next question comes in from Quarren Wilson. He says, if the Jets don't deal for Jalen Ramsey or Darius Slay, do you think they will get traded? And if so, who do you think trades for them? Man, I don't know. I would assume that if it's Ramsey or Slay, Either way, you're looking at a team that feels like it's close because you're going to have to pay either one of them a lot of money. And in the case of Slay, he's older than Ramsey too. So I'm not sure who it would be, but you'd have to think of a win-now team that has a really big need at cornerback, and that's who I would think would go after him. It's kind of like the Bears who were in that Rams mode where they felt like they could make that leap last year, so they went out and did everything they could to get Khalil Mack some team that kind of falls into that category would be the most likely suitor for Ramsey or Slay if those two become available.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think right now of a a team like that, you know, that's a possible Super Bowl contender that would just need a cornerback, and nothing's really popping up in my mind. So I'll say two things. It's either going to be somebody who suffers a big injury at cornerback and they want to try to make up for it i could see that happening or in the case of jalen ramsey i could see john gruden doing it just for the for the hell of it uh you know add him to that locker room with antonio brown montez perfect richie incognito yeah go ahead see see him doing it that that would fit that would be a nice interesting uh Thing to see just I might actually watch Hard Knocks If they were to actually go ahead And trade for, for Jalen now
0: Next question comes in from CC716 He says I know you guys Like Leo but if they had the opportunity To package him for a Top flight corner like Ramsey or Slay would you Consider doing it also, why is Herndon chosen not to appeal Four games seems pretty harsh. So as far as the Leo Williams thing goes, I'm not really in the camp that wants to trade Leonard Williams. If they could deal him in a package for Jalen Ramsey, I guess you consider it. But here's the problem. The Jaguars are not doing that because if they're trading Ramsey, it's because they don't want to pay him. Why would they trade Ramsey and then the centerpiece of who they get back would be a guy that they then have to turn around and pay? It doesn't make any sense. And I like Darius Slay, but he's starting to get towards the older end for a cornerback. This is right around the time when these corners drop off. If they could get him without giving up a ton or sign him as a free agent, that's something that i consider doing. But I just don't know if I'd be looking to surrender major capital for him at this point involving Leonard Williams. And the second part of this as far as Herndon choosing not to appeal, I'll leave that one for you, Chris, because I have no idea.
1: Well, the Herndon not appealing, I think it's it's really simple. Uh, the rule is written that if you uh, get a DUI where you cause bodily harm to somebody, then that's a, str- um, a, a stricter, harsher punishment than just getting a DUI it's in the police report that he caused physical harm to that lady. So um, that's an open and shut case. That's just – there's no argument against that. So that that's why uh, that's, that's happening. As far as trading for Leonard Williams for Jalen Ramsey, in a vacuum, if it was a straight-up one-on-one deal, yeah, I'd do that because you're trading uh, for somebody who I believe is better at being a cornerback than Leonard Williams is at being – uh, on the defensive line, but also I'm really curious myself to see what Leonard Williams can do with Quentin Williams next to him, with some other help uh, help that he's he has had with him. But now, but in the Greg Williams defense, I'm curious to see what that looks like. But then to piggyback off what you were saying, even more than they're, they're not paying Ramsey, so why would they pay Leonard Williams? They're not paying Ngakwe. And he's a better player than Leonard Williams. So they already have one defensive lineman that they're not paying. Uh, Why are they trading a cornerback away for another defensive lineman that they probably shouldn't want to pay?
0: Last question or series of questions comes in from John Flesh. He says, what are your projected 53-man wide receiver and tight end depth charts? Do guys like Holmes White, Peek or Brown have a shot to make the week one roster? Who is your dark horse wide receiver or tight end standout? Not a current starter for this season. Also, is there any fire behind the smoke of Jamal Adams playing some corner due to the lack of depth at the corner position? Would his style and skill set translate into the same productivity at corner as it does for him at safety? Should the Jets even consider giving him corner reps? So let's start with the Adams thing. No. I know that Jamal's a team player, and he was talking about that more in jest, I think. And even though he said he was serious, I don't think anybody should have taken that seriously. He's not going to play cornerback. And by the way, the Jets have no depth at safety either. So if you take him away from safety, then who's playing safety? And as far as projected wide receiver and tight end depth charts, my guess here is is that I think the wide receivers are going to end up being the obvious. Jamison Crowder, Robbie Anderson, Quincy Anunwa, and then from there, Deontay Burnett, Tim White, Josh Bellamy, and Greg Dortch. But I think Bellamy and Dorch are mostly going to be used on special teams. I think as far as Dark Horse goes, Tim White is my pick. I think he's going to make the team. And I think he has an opportunity to crack the rotation if he continues to do really well at practice and shines in some preseason games. We'll see, but if you're asking me for a dark horse, that would be the guy. As far as the tight ends, I think it's going to be Ryan Griffin and Trayvon Wesco. Possibly Brown, too, but if Brown sticks, I think it's only until Herndon returns.
1: Yeah, tight end, I think it's going to be Griffin, uh, Daniel Brown, and Wesco uh, the, the opening day, 53. Um, Herndon will come in after serving the four-game suspension, and then I expect Daniel Brown will probably be shown the door at that point. But I do think that they're going to keep three of them. Uh, you know, Adam Gates doesn't run a, a ton of uh, tight end heavy sets, but if they only keep two of them, then that it's just the injury to one, and that's all of a sudden a big problem. So I see them keeping three, and one of them it, it would be Daniel Brown. Would basically just be holding Chris's Herndon's spot until he gets back. Um, so I think that would be how that plays out. And I'm with you with the receivers, too. Obviously, we know Robbie Anderson, Quincy Nunn, one, Crowder. The way Deontay Burnett has played so far, he's really solidified himself. Uh, if we're only going on what we've seen from training camp, Tim White definitely has earned a roster spot. Um, they're not there's nobody else behind those guys who have been uh showing anything close to enough to, for any of them to beat them out so it would take a couple guys now busting free uh from being cut from other people that joe douglas really loved and adam gates really loved for them to be unseated but uh yeah and then i greg Dortch is gonna make this roster and i think you will see him uh at receiver at times uh You know, whether you're in four receiver sets and he's in there, he's just filling in because somebody's injured, five receiver sets. I I could definitely see that. And then same thing with Bellamy. Bellamy's going to make this team, and he's mostly going to be a gunner on special teams. He's going to be doing um, special teams duty. But if they have some injuries in the game or, you know, have injuries, they need somebody else, then he can be a, a depth option for him there. But I do see them keeping that many receivers especially since two of them will have pretty identified roles at, in the special teams.
0: Well said, Chris. And while I think that the Jets are going to have plenty of tight ends and wide receivers on the roster, probably only a couple of them that you're going to want to draft in your fantasy league, namely Christopher Herndon, Jamison Crowder, Quincy Enunwa, and Robbie Anderson. I think the number one guy of that group is probably Robbie Anderson. And if you are going to draft somebody on the Jets, you should probably go ahead and do it over at Draft.com in the Draft app where you will have a chance to win $3.5 million in their best ball championship. How do you do that? Simple. You go ahead and sign up for their Easy Snake draft. Nothing complicated like salary caps or auctions. It's just a straight-up draft. And then your lineup is set. They will make sure that you have your best players in every single week. The best part of all, if you use the promo code that I'm about to give you, you get a free crack at that 3.5 million dollars in the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit at Draft.com in the Draft app. You ready? It's play like. That's play like P L A Y L I K E. You use that promo code over at Draft.com in the Draft app, and you could be entered for a free chance to win that 3.5 million dollars. This year, playing some fantasy football. Chris, that's going to wrap up part two of the weekend mailbag. Thanks so much again for joining me, as always. I know you've got a lot of great stuff up right now at your website, JetsInsider.com. So why don't you go ahead and let everybody know what's in store for them when they visit your website?
1: Yeah, you we all have a bunch of looking at where the Jets are right now, uh, where they need positions of need, what players might be shaking free. We'll spend the next couple of days really looking at that to see areas that they can address. Uh, We'll talk about, you know, the areas that we feel pretty confident that they have set now. Obviously, we're not going to be looking at uh, what potential quarterbacks could be uh, here to unseat Sam Darnold. That's not happening. We know the defensive line is pretty set. Um, We know, like I just said, that there's not going to be a lot of wide receivers shaken free that I would think would be – Uh, cracking that top three so we're going to look at some cornerback situations we're going to look at you know reviewing the the game against the Falcons see um, what players that we're feeling better at than maybe we thought going into training camp some players that we might be feeling worse than we thought going into training camp so we'll have a lot of stuff up as we get ready to gear towards the end of preseason and get ready for this actual season start. I know I'm ready for it. I'm sure all you fans are as well.
0: Go ahead and head over to JetsInsider.com. Read Chris's very big deal work. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at CNimbley and at Jets Insider. Make sure that you follow his deputy editor, Alan Schechter, also at Alan underscore S-C-H-E-C-H-T-E-R. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go.